0: Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for March 1st, 2009. And we're going to continue our study on uh, the true gospel, salvation, and uh, we're going to pick up where we left off. So, the Bible says that we are saved by faith, but what does it mean to have faith? There are many people who have faith and believe that they are saved, but there is only one faith that saves. The Bible says that we are saved by faith in. Jesus Christ, this does not mean simply believing that Jesus exists or even believing that he is God. It means that you believe, you put your full and complete faith in in him to save you, plus nothing, minus nothing. That Jesus Christ paid for your sins when he died on the cross. It means believing that he took your place and endured the wrath. Of God for you. It means that believing that Jesus' payment for your sins is entirely sufficient to cleanse you from your sins and to make you fit for heaven. Someone had to pay the penalty for your sin. This is the only way for man to be forgiven. Jesus paid that penalty on the cross, not merely through his physical sufferings, but the fact that he bore your sins in his own body. It is faith in this sacrifice for sin that saves the soul from eternal condemnation. The Bible has much to say about this, so we're going to elaborate on this much further. Uh, Please consider each of the following Bible verses and pay careful attention to what they teach regarding salvation. As all of these verses point to Jesus' work on the cross as the only means of salvation, these Bible verses clearly teach you that you are saved through faith in Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, Please be aware that most churches teach that you receive Jesus or ask Jesus into your heart to get saved. This is not what the Bible teaches, however. Now, this is where it's going to really make a lot of people mad, okay? But let's just see what the Bible says before anyone gets mad here, okay? Because we're going to do an in-depth study of this, okay? So, and again, the devil is the most subtle beast of the field, we must be very, very clear what our belief in salvation is because it's the most important decision we'll ever make. Okay, so, let's, um, let's go further here. Um, it turns the repentant sinner, the person who wants to get saved, away from faith in Christ's work on the cross and towards some other separate act from that, like the receiving of Jesus for salvation. Now, I'm going to elaborate on this. Okay, we're going to elaborate on this heavily, biblically. This is a very, this is very dangerous. Our faith for salvation must be in the in the um, Jesus's work on the cross, which He accomplished for us two thousand years ago, and which is the only means of salvation that God has provided. To understand more about the difference between salvation through believing through a believing faith versus salvation through receiving jesus let's go to a chart here and this is going to be connected to the pdf file and i'm only going to read some of this because if i read the whole thing we'd be here for probably three sessions okay so this is entitled believe versus receive what does the bible actually teach Okay, because you know my opinion means nothing. All it matters is what the Word of God clearly states. Let's just w- look at what the Word of God clearly states. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over some of the receive verses um, in um, the uh, left hand column here. Salvation verses with the word receive in them. Luke 18:17. Verily I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child shall in no wise enter therein. Jesus speaks of receiving the kingdom of God in this passage in the same way that it is clear we are not saved by receiving the kingdom of God in our hearts. It is also clear that we are not saved by receiving Jesus into our hearts. Okay, there's a order here. There's an, a, there's an order, and we're going to look at what the Bible actually teaches about this. Um, John 1.12 But as many received him... To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. In, this, in the first two verses in the entire New Testament that speak directly of receiving Jesus for salvation, as we compare scripture with scripture and consider the context, we quickly realize that we receive Jesus by believing the gospel. Okay, so I know this may sound like a kind of a trivial issue or semantics or whatever, but... Understand in the context that we're talking about here, receiving and believing are really the same thing. Okay, that's that's the key here, and we're going to go over all the all the all the obvious verses where it talks about believing. Okay, um, but receiving and believing in the context of these verses are truly the same thing. Acts two forty one, and they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about three thousand souls. These people were saved by receiving uh, his word, which is the gospel message of salvation. They were not told to receive Jesus into their hearts, though. And again, we're talking about the specific thing that we have to get to in regard to believing what is the true message of the gospel. Acts 8.14 Now when the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. Again, these people were saved by receiving the word of God, which is the gospel message of salvation. What are we in reference to here? The gospel message of salvation. They were not told to receive the person of Jesus for salvation, but to simply believe in the sufficiency of Jesus' sacrifice for them on the cross. Acts 11.11 And the apostles and the brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. The Gentiles were saved when they received the word of God, Again, this refers to the gospel message. You receive the word of God by believing the gospel, not by receiving it um, not by receiving it into yourself. Okay, now let's clarify. If we go to Mark 1, 14 through 16, which again we're going to go now to the believe side of this chart. Because I like this chart because it gives both sides. It, It doesn't just ignore all the verses that talk about receiving. Okay, what it's trying to do is clarify what does that actually mean. The receiving part is really believing the gospel. Okay? So, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came unto Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Talks about repenting and believing the gospel. Okay? Um, note if salvation were through receiving Jesus into your heart or life then why did Jesus preach that we should believe the gospel why didn't Jesus tell people to receive him into their hearts and lives now I know some of this may seem like I said may, may some of this seems like semantics or trivial but it's this is the essence of how we get saved it is a very important subject John 1. 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, believe on his name. Okay. The Bible makes it clear that we receive Jesus when we believe on him. When we believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke eight twelve. those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Lest they, now, notice, what are we talking about here? Always gets back to believing. The true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says that those who believe are saved. Jesus said it is the word of God, the gospel that is sown, which we need to receive into our hearts. We need to believe with our hearts. It's believing. And believing and receiving are essentially one and the same here. Okay? Mark sixteen sixteen. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. If one needs to, quote, receive Jesus in order to be saved, then why didn't Jesus say that? Why did Jesus say that those who didn't believe would be damned? Rather than those who didn't receive. But again, they're really one and the same. Notice also that Jesus did not say that those who are are not baptized would be damned. Only those who did not believe. Salvation then hinges on belief alone, nothing added. In other words, It would be very easy here to say that, okay, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Baptism is is part of things that follow salvation. But baptism is not what saves you. It says it right here, but he that believeth not shall be damned. It just says believeth not. It doesn't say believeth not and is not baptized. Baptism is is a logical thing that happens after salvation. Okay? But again, we have to be very, very careful in trusting in a work to save us. It's not of works lest any man should boast. Salvation that hinges on belief alone. Nothing added. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son... That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Believing. Salvation comes through believing in Jesus, believing in the sufficiency of his sacrifice on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Again, this whole chart that I'm reading here is not to cause contention, but but to clarify the difference between a lot of the modern day... Salvation messages and or tracts that are out there which say you just need to receive Jesus into your heart and you're saved. They leave out a lot of other things. Okay? And again, we want to look at the biblical context of receiving and believing. Okay? And when we look at receiving, as we've already looked at these other verses, uh, receiving and believing in the context are essentially the same anyway. Okay? But, but the believing part is is the is the is the crux of what we're looking at here. John 3:36. He that believeth on the son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. If it were necessary for us to quote receive Jesus in order to be saved, then why didn't Jesus say that? Jesus tells us that our salvation is is based on belief on him on His death on the cross, as a means of our atonement. John 20, 31. But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. It's always about belief. Belief, belief, belief. What does that imply also? Faith. How can you believe in something and not have faith in what you're believing? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So this is how we get saved. Okay? Acts 4.14 How I bet many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of men was about 5,000. So they heard the word and they believed. They were saved. Okay? The Bible says that they were saved because they believed the word, which is the gospel message, not when they received, supposedly, Jesus Christ. They believed, you understand, it, it, There's a, I'm trying to get you to see the subtle difference here that we're looking at. Okay, and I, I know I guess it's not really that subtle, but it's belief in the true gospel. And again, we're going to go, we're going to even go further into this and look at the aspects of that a little bit later. But I'm laying more of the groundwork right now. Acts eight twelve. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they were baptized, that was the fruit, part, that was start, part of the fruit that was already starting to manifest. Baptism came after they believed. They heard the gospel preached by Philip, and they believed. Once they believed, they were saved. Belief was the basis for their salvation, belief on Christ, his sacrificial work on the cross. Acts 8.37 And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The Ethiopian was baptized based on his belief on Christ. Philip had already preached Jesus unto him, beginning in Isaiah 53, which foretells of Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. The Ethiopian heard the gospel and believed on it for salvation. Receiving Jesus into his heart in the life in life was not the means through which he was saved. Neither was he neither was calling on God um, for salvation. But again, that's part of the plan. It's just that. We're looking at this, it always boils down to the belief here on on things. You're not putting your faith in anything but your belief and your faith in the true gospel message. A lot of people put their faith in some prayer they said 40 years ago. Or 20 years ago, or 10. Well, I said this little prayer, and it's all, it's, it's all settled. Okay? Everything's done. Be careful what you've put your faith in. I received Jesus. I said this little prayer. There was no change in my life afterward. I kept living like the devil. I had no conviction of sin. Nothing changed. But I have all my, my faith in that prayer. This is, this, is the, this is the dangerous thing. This is why I'm, I'm doing this study. Because you, you want to make sure this is a very settled issue. It's not a complicated issue. This is simplistic in its essence. But because particularly the lukewarm church has perverted the gospel so much, I find it necessary to do this type of study, uh, kind of a detailed study, in order to clarify this issue, because it is so important. Acts 13.48 And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad, and they glorified the word of the Lord, and as many were ordained to eternal life, believed. Eternal life was subject to belief. The Gentiles were saved because they believed the gospel message that was preached to them. Um, When someone believes the gospel, it means they believe on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for their eternal salvation. Okay, If their whole belief system is just saying, well, I said some prayer and I received Jesus, and they're not even... You know, they're not even emphasizing, they're not even looking at what Jesus Christ did on the cross to pay our sin debt through his shed blood. They're just saying, well, I received Jesus Christ and I, I prayed some prayer. They're going to hell. They don't even know what salvation is. It's, but it's not complicated. You just need to be told. Acts 16.31 And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. It's always believe, 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 which implies faith. This is an account of a lost man asking Paul and Silas what thing he must do to be saved. If it were necessary for him to invite Jesus into his heart in order to be saved or somehow receive Jesus into himself or even pray and call upon God to save him, then surely the Apostle Paul would have told him that. Instead, Paul tells him to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have Now, you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and call upon him, I don't have a problem with that. You confess you can confess the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth where the Bible talks about that in Romans 10 and we're going to talk about that more later. I'm not saying those are things you couldn't do or, or the Bible's saying those are things you couldn't do. It just depends on where are you putting what are you putting your faith in. Make sure it's on the solid rock of Christ Jesus and the true gospel message. this is the point here. We, we have already seen what it means to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It means believing that Jesus paid the full penalty for your sins when he died on the cross. And through the merit of Jesus Christ's work on the cross, we inherit the gift of eternal life. The Philippian jailer believed the gospel message. And won't you believe it too? Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Remember, it's the power unto salvation to everyone that believeth. What is the gospel of Christ? How clear can you make it? To the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel of Christ, which we have already defined, is the power unto God, unto salvation to them who believe it. Galatians 2.16 Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, and that, that might make up somebody who's a Hebrew roots person kind of mad, because they a lot of them think that they're still justified by the law. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. That's how we're justified. By faith in Christ. By belief in Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But there's a lot of people going around today saying, oh, you got to do this, you've got to keep the Sabbath, you got to keep all these little Jewish traditions, giving heed to Jewish fables, and the philosophies of men. There's all kinds of verses that, that, that refute that, and I'm going to get into some of them today, because I think that, you know, it's necessary to address those. So if salvation comes by faith, by believing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.22 But the scripture hath concluded, all under sin, and that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. That believe. Salvation, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life is given to them that believe the gospel. If you, if all you ever knew was, well... All they just said is, I just need to receive Jesus, and you don't even know what Jesus did to pay your sin debt, if you don't even know, understand that, what have you just done? You, you you have a false hope now. You don't even know what the what the gospel is. That's the point here. Okay, that's the point. That's why I'm going over these verses. Is do you know what the gospel is? Salvation, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life is given to them that believe the gospel. Ephesians 1.13 In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. The Bible talks about when you're saved, you get sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. After you believe. That's praise the Lord Jesus Christ. You're saved by hearing the gospel message and believing it. That's the comment there. Uh, Ephesians 1, 18 through 20. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. That ye may know what is the hope of his calling. And what the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward. Who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. The greatness of God's power, particularly in salvation, is given to them that believe. Um, then First Thessalonians 2.13 for, for this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it, not as the word of men, but as it, but, but as it is in truth. The word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. It's belief. That's what it boils down to. Belief. Faith. They received the gospel message by believing it. This is how they were saved. Yeah, but I said that prayer 20 years ago, and, it, and even though I didn't really know what the gospel was, I, I, I received Jesus, and so I'm saved. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Let's just look at this biblically, is, is all I'm trying to, to, to look at here. I mean, if that's what you were trusting in, some prayer, about, and you didn't even know the gospel, how could you be saved? you got to know what the gospel is in order to be saved. In order to believe, you've got to know what you're believing in. Uh, 1 Timothy one 15 through 15-16 This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Man, I can relate to that. Of whom I am chief. How about for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. Jesus Christ saves sinners based on their belief on him, on the sufficiency of his sacrifice for their sins. Hebrews 4, three, For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Hebrews four three. We enter into God's rest in salvation by believing the gospel. Well, why would they talk about entering into rest? Well, if you've been saved, and it's if, if it's a free gift that you've freely received, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're not earning it. It's like a relief. It's like a gift you just received. In that regard, it's a rest. Because you're not trying to earn your way to heaven anymore, if you were in the first place. It's like, a you know, like, talk about a load off your mind. You know? Um, so again, I think that's, that's what it's in reference to. Hebrews 10.39 But we are not of them who draw back into perdition but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Hebrews 10.39. Now this is um one that kind of throws a lot of people a curveball. Perdition means damnation. Think about, think about this verse this way. You have this free gift in front of you. And remember, there's the four kinds of seeds that Jesus talks about in the parable. The seed that fell on good ground, and then stony ground and these types of things. And there was only the one kind of seed that actually bore you know, rooted and bore fruit. Think of that verse that I just read, but we are not of them who draw back into perdition, damnation. They draw back into per- perdition. But of them that believed to the saving of the soul. Again, this is focusing on belief and faith in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. But think of it this way. Jesus Christ is there offering you this free gift of salvation. He's got this gift. Think of it literally like you're reaching your hands out to take a gift. And then all of a sudden, right before you actually take the gift, you draw back. That's drawing back into perdition. Okay? That's hearing the good news of the gospel, but you draw back into perdition. That's what that's in reference to. So if that, hopefully that maybe helps that make a little more sense to you regarding that particular verse. So notice that it says, that believed, believed to the saving of the soul. We believe the gospel message and we are saved. Second um, Peter 2, 6-7 Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallow, the same as the head of the corner. Those that believe on Jesus um, are not confounded. Salvation is based on belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, hopefully we've made that abundantly clear. One more verse in regard to this. First John 3.23 And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. God's commandment. Commandment is that we believe the gospel. Okay, so regarding the verses that we just read regarding receiving and believing, uh, I could have read oh, probably about 30 more verses regarding the believing portion uh, that we were in, just in reference to. Okay, so in other words, there's about 50 different verses of scripture. That clearly teach that we actually receive salvation through faith in Jesus Christ's sacrifice, his his uh, for the blood, precious blood he shed on the cross to pay our sin debt, and that that does pay our sin debt, and that is the only means of salvation is in Jesus's sacrificial work on the cross. Okay, so please be aware that the people who tell you you are saved by just receiving Jesus or by asking Jesus into your heart have only a small handful of verses that they can try to use to support this particular teaching. And if they're equating receiving or asking Jesus into your heart, if if they're actually giving you the full gospel message with that, that's one thing, okay? But if they're just saying, say this little prayer, ask Jesus into your heart, and you don't even know what the redemptive work on the cross is, you don't even know, or, or you haven't clued into the fact that Jesus Christ paid your sin debt through his shed blood, and without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sin, as the Bible states. if they don't understand that, how can they be saved? So really what I'm just trying to do is clarify that and um, they generally will uh, will quote Romans ten nine nine and ten, which I quote a lot, okay uh, but let's just read this verse of scripture to reconcile it with what we're teaching today because there's no contraindication uh, or, or no contradiction I should say. Uh, but let's just read it. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now remember, there's fifty verses stating that you believe, you believe on the on the Lord Jesus Christ. You believe in, you know, the his um his sacrifice, the the um his shedding of his precious blood on the cross to pay our sin debt. You know, you believe the gospel, the good news. You're saved by grace, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So so it says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart be- man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Well, in order for you to believe, truly believe, and truly receive this, this message, you have to... Um, Believe this with your heart. Okay, you have to believe that God raised him from the dead. You have to believe that that he shed his blood on the cross to pay our sin debt. You know, you have to believe the gospel. Okay, so that's part of this this equation. And then it goes on to say, um, For with the heart man believeth on the righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Okay, so... Think of it this way, a natural byproduct of you truly believing and truly receiving this particular message is going to be obviously believing with your heart and then confession will be made with the mouth at some point, okay? I mean, if and if you don't, if you can't confess the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth, well, the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So it's a natural byproduct of the belief process, of the 50 verses that we could could have quoted in regard to the salvation issue. It's a natural byproduct of that, confessing with your mouth. Okay, So um, it, again, and, and the difference here is that it's, it's a very dicey proposition to have somebody say, yeah, I prayed this prayer 50 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever, I received Jesus, and they really weren't even fully aware of what the gospel message was. Well, I confessed it with my mouth, so so therefore I'm saved. Well, yeah, but what were you confessing? What were you believing? What were you, what were you putting your faith regarding salvation into? The prayer itself, just because you said mouth the words, when you really didn't even believe it in your heart? When you really didn't even understand the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross to pay our sin debt? See, if they didn't understand that, how can they be saved? And that's the only point I really wanted to kind of clarify here, Um, that I thought was very important. Because I'm not, I'm not preaching against this portion of scripture. I just want to clarify it in light of all the other, you know, other 50 verses that clearly say you have to believe. Okay. So, anyway, I just wanted to, um, touch on that and we'll go to the next part now. So, again, anyway, that was, I wanted to say that before we went further. So, going back to the main article, uh... And again, I posted that below the main article because I didn't want to insert it here. Um, That way it it might mess up the flow a little bit. So, going back to the main article. It says, as you read through these verses, you will see that faith in Jesus' sacrifice is the means of salvation. Also, please read through the definitions of the gospel terms. We're going to look at those as these are the same terms that you will encounter in the following verses that we're going to be looking at. And we've already encountered them a little bit. We're going to uh, go further into these definitions. Um, the gospel terms defined in the above article form the entire foundation for the Bible verses that follow. If you do not understand them properly, you will not be able to correctly interpret the following verses. And you will not have a proper understanding of the gospel. So let's look at some of the definition of gospel terms. Okay, there are many terms used in the Bible to describe salvation. I am referring to these as gospel terms. They are terms that are essential to understand if you are to understand salvation in any true sense. For they are the very foundation of any explanation of salvation and are used repeatedly in the Bible, Bible verses about salvation. Most, if not all, of these terms are defined using the Webster 1828 Dictionary, which more closely defines these terms as they were written in the King James Bible. Most, if not all, of these terms... Oh, okay, I already said that... Um, and I give you a little link. You can go to the Webster's online there yourself. You can buy it. Um, it's a pretty big book, but you can also re- you can also go to it online for free. Also, where appropriate, um, David Cloud's Way of Life Encyclopedia of the Bible and Christianity is also referenced, and his website link is given there. <clears throat> uh, these are perhaps the most beautiful words in the English language, as they confer a proper understanding of God's unspeakable gift of salvation, propitiation, uh, which, in, according to Webster's, uh, is the act of appeasing wrath. So, propitiation, the act of appeasing wrath, in conciliating the favor of an offending of an offended person. The act of making propit- propitious, sorry. In theology, the atonement or the atoning sacrifice offered to God to assuage his wrath and render him propitious to sinners. Christ is the propitiation for the sins of men. The atonement or the atoning sacrifice here, okay? Propitiation. Grace, the free, unmerited, eternal salvation of God. Saving grace is the free merited favor of God. Biblical grace means the unmerited, eternal salvation of God, which comes freely to the believing sinner through the atonement of Jesus Christ. It is the receiving of the opposite, which is what we actually deserve. We deserve His wrath, His eternal punishment in hell, and instead, because of Christ's sacrifice for our sins, we receive forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. It is the free forgiveness of sin and the offer of, of free imputed righteousness, which was purchased by Jesus Christ. And that was from David Cloud's comment. Appropriately, um, grace is the free unmerited love and favor of God, the spring and source of all benefits men receive from him. That's from Webster's. Justification. Uh, in theology, justification is the remission of sin, the absolution from guilt and punishment, or, the, or an act of, of free grace by which God pardons the sinner and accepts accepts him as righteous on the account of the atonement of Christ. Okay, remember, this is through belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Justification means to be made just before God. We're justified before God. Justification means to declare righteousness. It is God's declaration that those who trust in Jesus Christ Um, are perfectly righteous before Him. It's also, uh, trust that His sacrificial work on the cross is full and complete, the full and complete payment for our sins before God. This is how we obtain justification, in other words. It is a legal concept as when a judge gives a verdict. God is a great judge. It is His law that we have broken. Before I am saved, God declares that I am a condemned sinner. After I come to Christ... Um let's see here. After I come to Christ. Um, God declares that I am righteous because of what Christ did for me at Calvary. So you come to Christ through biblical repentance toward God in faith. Okay. In what? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the true gospel. Sanctification is um to sanctify is to be made holy and set apart, okay, to cleanse from corruption, to purify from sin, to make holy, uh, be detached from the affections from the world and its defilements, to, uh, and exalting them to a supreme love of God. Sanctifying is making holy, and purifying from the defilements of sin. Uh, if we go further, I'm going to go to verse to uh, definition 6. Atonement. Satisfaction or reparation made by giving an equivalent for an injury or by doing or suffering that which is received in satisfaction for the offense or or an injury. In theology, the expiation of sin made by the obedience and personal sufferings of Christ. He atoned for our sins on the cross. Okay? Okay? Jesus Christ's death on the cross was done to satisfy or make right for the offense or the injury. He suffered to satisfy the debt for our sins before God. This suffering of Christ on the cross was the complete payment for those sins before God. Now remember, this complete payment, the Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the, the apart from the Lord Jesus Christ... The only way we can pay for our sins is death and hell. See, either we let Jesus Christ pay our sin debt, or we pay it. And if we pay it, it means death and hell, and then the lake of fire for eternity. That's that's the only way we can pay that debt. But Jesus Christ pay, can pay the debt for us through his through his uh, his sacrifice on the cross, through the sh- through his shed blood, okay, through the true gospel. For our belief in that, this is how we attain that payment. And, it's a, it's, and again, it's a free gift. You either freely receive or you freely reject. Isaiah 53.11 says, He, meaning the Father, shall see the travail of his soul, his soul is in reference to Jesus Christ, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. This righteous servant is Jesus Christ who justifies us before the Father in heaven through the price that he paid on the cross. And then he says, for he shall bear their iniquities. He's going to bear our sins. He's the, the perfect Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. He is the only one that can pay our sin debt. That's it. There's no other way. Redemption, the word redemption or redeemed. In theology, the purchase of God's favor by death and sufferings of Christ, the ransom or deliverance of sinners from the bondage of sin and the penalties of God's violated law by the atonement of Christ. Uh, It also means ransom delivered from bondage, distress, penalty, liability, or from the possession of another. He redeemed us from Satan, essentially. He redeemed us from hell. Jesus, I mean, He can redeem us if we choose to accept that free gift. If we believe... There are three aspects of redemption. Past, we have been redeemed from the condemnation of sin and dominion of Satan. Present, um, Titus 2.14, we are being redeemed from the power of sin and Satan in our daily lives. In future, Romans 8.23, we shall be redeemed from the very presence of sin when Christ returns and we receive our resurrected bodies. It is the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that gives us all of this. Freedom from sin and from bondage to Satan. Freedom from the penalty for sin, which is eternal hell, and the purchase of God's favor, which prior to salvation we could not have due to the defilement with sin. Remission. What does that word mean? Remission means forgiveness, pardon. That is the giving up of the punishment due to a crime as the remission of sins. Now remember, these words are going to come up in some of the verses we're looking at. So, this is a study. What you can do is you can either listen to it once and follow along, and then you can read it yourself and go back and reference this, because, you know, there may be something you want to look at further. Plus, there's a link at the end of this... um, teaching that if you really want to go even way 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 more in depth it gives you several links to go into where you can go way even further into this because you need to get this settled if you're unsure faith what does that mean in theology the ascent of the mind or the understanding to the truth of what god has revealed simple belief of the scriptures Remember, uh, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So that's how you build faith. Hearing the word of God. Of being... um, Let's see here. Simple belief of the scriptures, of the being and the perfections of God, of the existence, character, and doctrines of Christ, founded on the testimony of the sacred writers. Um, True faith is based on the word of God and the Bible. Romans 10.17 Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Hebrews 11.1, one, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things hoped for. True faith is not a blind wish or an uncertain hope. The lost, unsaved man, for example, often believes everything will be alright with him after death, no matter what religion he follows, because he feels okay with God. Reminds me of my dad. I remember he was, one time he had a brain tumor and, you know, went in there and, you know, he didn't want to talk about God. He was okay. He told me he was okay. Everything was fine. I couldn't, it's just incomprehensible. Even these people facing death, they will, they have unbelievable amounts of faith that in themselves, or in their own little warped theological views, they're willing to risk their soul on their opinion. I mean, I'm talking just an opinion. No religious belief whatsoever, other than what he's formulated in his own head. Isn't that a sad thing? Unbelievable how blinded Satan can make people So, um, this this is called blind faith. This is blind faith. I'm okay with God. Blind faith. The Christian faith, on the other hand, rests upon the sure word of God, According to John 20, 30-31 and Acts 1-3, we have saving faith, a person must hear and believe the words of the Bible concerning God's promise in Christ. That Christ paid for our sins when he died on the cross, settled our account forever with God, and purchased for us the gift of eternal life. It doesn't get any better than that. I mean, that is truly the good news. The gospel. We have a daily serving... We have then a daily serving faith. A Christian should read his Bible often and believe its words. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. This is how you build faith. People say, well, I don't have any faith. I only had enough faith to get saved. Well, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. All we ever hear is the last part of the verse, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. But you need to read the first part: If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Well, a, a disciple is like a student. you know it's a student. You're my disciples indeed, and, she, and then you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. I mean, there should be a desire there to do that once you're saved is the point there as well. You know, you new creature, behold, all things are passed away, all things are passed away, all things are, away, all things are become new. So, if we go further, um, reconcile. To conciliate anew. To call back into union and friendship the affections which have been alienated to restore to friendship or to favor after estrangement, as to reconcile men or parties that have been at variance. That's from Webster's. Brought into friendship from a state of disagreement or enmity. Enmity would be like war. Enmity means the quality of being an enemy, the opposite of friendship. This is the condition of every man's personal relationship prior uh, relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and God prior to salvation. The Bible says that God is angry with the wicked every day, Psalm 711, and that we were alienated in our enemies, in enemies in our mind by the wicked works, according to Colossians 121. God and the ungenerate man are very much at odds with one another. Why? Because he's a holy God. He's a holy God. Only the perfect sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, His shed blood on the cross, can reconcile us to Him. Someone who never sinned ever. We have sinned. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us. Jesus Christ. That does not apply. He's the only one that can reconcile us to the Father. Or even to Himself. He's the only one. So, we see this picture of our relationship to God prior to salvation clearly set forth in the Genesis account to, uh, account of the fall of man, where it says in Genesis 3.24, So he drove out man and he placed at east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword to keep the way of the tree of life, unregenerate man, has his fist raised toward heaven and his back towards God. He may not feel like this is the case, but it is. And God's wrath abides on him. Please do not be tempted to believe the false teaching that God, that says that God does not need to be reconciled to man. God needs to be reconciled to guilty sinners, and we as guilty sinners, which are rebels against God, need to be reconciled to him. Praise God, Jesus did that wonderful work of reconciliation on the cross. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And another thing about this teaching, all of the stuff that I go into on a weekly basis about all these current events, okay, which is my calling as a watchman to warn people, the deception that's coming and the delusion that's coming and the delusion that's clearly predicted in the Bible, which is already here, but it's going to get even worse. The lying signs and wonders and miracles of the Antichrist, the strong delusion, all the technology that they have in place right now. This is a very important subject that we're talking about. You need to make sure that you're truly saved and have your house built on the solid rock of Christ Jesus. Because if you're not, you can know all of this stuff that I've talked about with current events and devil betray a guy and and all of the false um, prophets and ministers and teachers and all of the wickedness going on. You can know all of that stuff and go straight to hell. Because none of what, that stuff's going to save you. None of that's going to save you. Knowing that is not going to save you. So, anyway, I, just, I think it's a very important subject that we need to look at here. Ransom. Ransom is the price paid for freeing a slave. Leviticus 19.20 um, Ransom is used to describe the price the Lord, Jesus Christ, pra- paid to free men from their enslavement or bondage to sin. Matthew twenty. For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. 1 Timothy 2.6 Who gave himself a ransom for all, to be testified in due time. So, again, that's very important. Now, repentance. Uh, we talked about this definition before. Sorrow for anything done or said. I, I went straight into Webster. She didn't have this definition there, but I wanted to include it. Um, or the person that, I'm sorry, the person that wrote this uh, article. Uh, repentance. Sorrow for anything done or said. The pain or grief which a person experiences in consequence of the injury or the inconvenience produced by his own conduct. Okay another definition real penitence sorrow or deep contrition for sin like the publican you know when he didn't even look up and in these types of things and people that that humble themselves and are contrite before the lord which really is a a prerequisite for salvation you don't come to the lord proud you don't get sal- you don't get saved in a proud manner okay it's very important you come with the right heart toward the Lord so sorrow or deep contrition for sin as an offense and dishonor to God a violation of his holy law and the basis in gratitude toward a being of infinite um, uh, being of infinite benevolence this is called and this is what Webster defined it as is evangelical repentance and is accompanied and followed by an amendment of life so true repentance is followed by an amendment of life, meaning you change your ways. Does it mean you walk around in sinless perfection 24-7? No. Okay, But we don't sin that grace may be abound. Paul said, Oh, what a wretch of a man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? The things that I shouldn't do, that I do. And the things that I hate, that I do. Okay, so again, it doesn't give us a license to sin. We don't sin that grace may be abound. But if we say we have no sin, then the truth is not in us, and we are a liar. Okay, so again, um, it's important to understand these concepts. Repentance is a change of mind, or a conversion from sin to God. And again, if, if you're a Hindu, you can't get saved unless you repent of your, particularly your religious beliefs. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, I believe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, his sacrificial payment for my sin debt on the cross, his shed blood. I believe in that, but I also believe in my own Hindu stuff. They're not compatible. They're not compatible. It's one or the other. Uh, The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7 that godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. So many times, somebody prior to getting saved will actually be um, humbled by God to bring them to godly sorrow so that they can get saved. Had it not been for God humbling them, they may not have got saved. Godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. That's That's a good verse. Now, the Bible also says, "...the goodness of the Lord leadeth thee to repentance." So sometimes it's the goodness of God that will actually lead somebody to repentance. Okay? Um, It's not everything's always cookie cutter in the way that somebody comes to the Lord, in other words. So, I wanted you to read these definitions before proceeding to the next section on faith because these terms are used repeatedly in the Bible verses that describe a saving faith. Now that you understand them, you will better be able to properly interpret the Bible verses which employ these. And I'm just looking at what we've got left here. And, um, let's see here. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and go to the last part of the study here. Yeah, because i got about four pages left. <clears throat> I, I won't be able to fit that in the little amount of time I have left. So we're going to go to part three, and this should be our final concluding part.